you do lose a lot of your identity when you move away from an organization, especially if you've been in one place for a very long time. And then when you move out of that and you're suddenly just on your own and it's just about you and the services you can offer, it is kind of a scary place. Welcome to Career Relaunch, the podcast dedicated to helping you reinvent your career. My name is Joseph Liu, and I'm here to help you gain the clarity, confidence, and courage to overcome the challenges of changing career paths so you can do more meaningful work and truly enjoy your professional life. In each episode, I feature people who have decided to step off the beaten path to reinvent their careers. We talk through their unique personal stories, the challenges they overcame, and the lessons they learned to help you understand what it takes to relaunch your own career. Today, my guest is going to share her story of relaunching her career as a financial services operations director to start her own virtual assistance business. We're going to talk about the trade-offs of working for a large established organization and the dynamics of branching off on your own. Afterwards, I'll share my thoughts about how I get the help I need in my own career and life. Today, I'm speaking with Norma Kimber, who's a business owner and virtual assistant. After a varied start to her career, including office management and accounting software management, she moved to Brighton, England in 2003. Then a couple years later, she started a 16-year career at an international financial services company, initially as an executive assistant. She took on several internal roles and promotions and ended her corporate career as a director of operational excellence. She then left the corporate world behind to start her own virtual assistance business as a pink spaghetti franchisee. Now, Norma and I have crossed paths a few times in the past because she's joined some of my virtual firesides. And I've also personally chatted with her about some of her virtual assistance services when I was exploring the idea of hiring a virtual assistant myself. She shares some of the realities of not only leaving a full-time job behind, but also the impact it can have on your psyche when your spouse still works at the well-known global company you left behind while you try to build your own business from the ground up. You can get all the show notes from today's episode at careerrelaunch.net slash 86. Norma spoke with me from Brighton, England. Hello, Norma. Welcome to the Career Relaunch podcast. It is great to have you on the show. Hi, Joseph. Thank you for having me. I'm very happy to be here. I would love to talk with you first about just setting the scene and getting a sense from you of what is keeping you busy in your work and also in your life these days. In my life these days, my almost two-year-old is what keeps me most busy. <laughs> I think as most people with small children will appreciate. Yes. And then with work, I have fairly recently started my own business. So building that up is really my main focus at the moment from a work perspective. I am also the parent of a very young child, and I'm just wondering what's that balance been like for you between running your own business and also motherhood? It's, as you probably know, it is fairly challenging to manage a small child and actually starting a business. But it actually all came about at the right time. time because I think it would have been far harder to try and manage a corporate career with a small child. And at least I'm only answering to myself and my very <laughs> selective clients, as opposed to a big corporate organization that probably doesn't really have that much sympathy for a small child needing your attention. I can definitely relate to the idea of the flexibility being invaluable once you become a parent and being able to control your own schedule. Also, can you just tell me where are you based and where are you originally from? 
So I'm based in the UK in Brighton, um, south of London, and I'm originally from South Africa, but I moved here in 2003. So it's almost been 20 years that I've been in the UK. And what originally brought you to the UK all the way from South Africa? I was very interested in traveling in Europe and Europe is a far way away from South Africa. So at the time when I came over, we had a working holiday visa scheme. I was lucky enough to be able to come over on that. And the intention was to stay for two years, see a bit of Europe and then probably head back to South Africa. So, but I met my husband here not long after, probably about three months after arriving here. And I just got stuck here basically. (laughs) It does happen. (laughs) Yes, it does happen. And finally, before we go back in time, could you give me a snapshot of the work that you're doing right now at Pink Spaghetti? We will get into more details on that later, but just real quickly, what's an average day for you right now? So it's very varied, and that's actually what really attracts me to this type of role. So it's a virtual assistant services business, and Every day looks really different depending on what my clients effectively have on. So it will really range from having a day of research or networking or general administration, sometimes calls, luckily not too many calls, but every day looks really different, which is really what keeps me interested in doing it. So we're going to come back to the VA work, the virtual assistant work that you do. And I would love to get into more details on the exact types of tasks you help people with. But before we do that... I know you haven't always been a business owner and you haven't always been a virtual assistant. You actually spent 16 years working in the financial services industry. So I was wondering if you could tell me how you got started in that industry. I really fell into it more than anything else. When I moved over to the UK, the intention was as on the two-year working holiday visa to do fairly limited work and do traveling. And the intention was really to end up going back, of course. But at the time when I started there, I didn't really have a clear idea of what I wanted to do. And I started initially as a temp doing call center work. And then when I was hired as a full-time employee, I started as an executive assistant. So it's kind of gone full circle a little bit. And then I just worked my way um, up really through the business. So I moved from being a virtual assistant into a re-engineering type role, doing a fair bit of training on Six Sigma and process engineering type activity in the services industry. And then from there, eventually ended up in operational risk management. So it was really just a case of being there initially I was very happy there and it was a exciting place to be because there's a lot going on in the financial services industry and I got to see a lot of the world traveling and lots of exciting things happened in my career in the financial services industry but it was never really thought through or planned that way I kind of fell into it and then seemed to do pretty well and then just kind of carried on from there so it was kind of more luck than anything else. You kind of just, I guess, climbed the corporate ladder, for lack of a better term, and then you eventually became director of operational excellence at your company. What was that corporate life like for you when you were at director level in a large multinational corporation? Could you just give me a sense of what your day-to-day experience was in that role? I would say what I liked about doing that role was having teams of people to manage. So I love working with people and working with my teams and being a team manager was really something that I really thoroughly enjoyed. 
most of my time, though, I would say in the latter part of my career was spent on phone calls. <laughs> so um, when we eventually um, had to work from home with COVID, it really wasn't much of a transition because we all did a fair bit of, kind of flexible and hybrid working anyway in the organization. And even if we did go into the office, I would spend predominantly my day mostly just on the phone talking to various different people. Team members or clients or team members. Or? It was all pretty much internal. So it would be internal. And I think this was part of the reason why I actually eventually left. <laughs> One of the many, many reasons was that you would end up spending phone call after phone call talking about meetings that you were going to have or meetings <laughs> that you did have. And it was mostly just talking about meetings all the time or talking about things that should get done, but really very little in terms of actual work that I actually did myself within the last few roles that I held. And much of it was coordination and problem solving with other teams internally and making sure that they were delivering on projects that they had to deliver. But at the end of the day, really in terms of what I actually achieved or delivered myself, it was very, very minimal. I just spent most of my time on the phone talking to people about what they should do or should have done. <laughs> so that was pretty much my life. <laughs> I think you and I have spoken a few times before, and I think you know that I spent about a decade myself working in the corporate world. Did you find that the work you did earlier on in your career in more junior roles was more focused on the work itself compared to when you were at a more senior director level where it can be a bit more about stakeholder management or internal alignment building, or as you put it, meetings about upcoming meetings? And maybe that's a bit of a leading question, but did you have that experience at all? No, absolutely. And actually, in hindsight, I really do ask myself sometimes whether I would have taken a promotion when it was offered to me at the time. Because, of course, as you're going into a career, you do want to progress. You do want to climb the corporate ladder when you're in a corporate environment. And you want to do better in comparing yourself with peers. You want to you know, comparatively do well. And it was definitely something in the early parts of my career that I absolutely wanted to do and really push myself to get as far as I could. But what I did find more rewarding was when I was actually in more junior roles and could actually deliver results and you could actually deliver projects and really be accountable for, to in effect, your own destiny and your own deliverables, really, because actually it was just much more about doing things and getting things done. And as you say, as you get more senior, you do just manage stakeholders and it does just feel like you're more of a conductor in some respects as opposed to actually delivering anything. And some of that is fairly rewarding, but I do think that you get to a point where it doesn't feel like you ever really get that sense of achievement as much, or I certainly didn't feel that way, because I do really thrive from seeing actual results. And if you're ending up just helping people or pointing them, signposting and pointing them in the right direction, it's easy to lose that kind of sense of really being able to make a difference or deliver anything of substance. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I definitely can relate to pretty much everything you just said where I felt like at more junior levels, oddly enough, although they always encourage you to get promoted and to advance in the organization, I actually found those roles to at times be more rewarding and satisfying because I was actually doing stuff rather than just managing the opinions of others. How did you come to your decision to eventually depart? I mean, I've been thinking for years that I would like to have my own business. 
But the sticking point for me was always in doing what. <laughs> so I had this idea that I really did want to have my own business, but just could not think of the idea. And I was kind of waiting for this great idea to hit me at some point so that I could start my own business. What was it about starting your own business that was appealing to you? I think just having the autonomy of making their own decisions for yourself in terms of you know where you want to head and not necessarily having to answer to somebody else. And the one thing that really, from a corporate perspective, really negatively impacted me was the politics. The politics is just not something I cope with very well at all. I managed it okay in some respects, I would say, but I actually probably didn't in very many other ways. I didn't get on with it and I absolutely did not enjoy it. I not for a second enjoyed politics within the corporate environment. So for a long time, I thought this is just really not the place for me. So I just knew that I needed to probably do something else. Yeah, so having that autonomy and actually just being really in charge of your own destiny to an extent was really something that drew me to having my own business. You know, thinking about like that big idea <laughs> that people think that they should have when they start their own business or something really, truly unique was the thing that really helped me back because I wasn't sure what that might be. So I grappled with that for a very, very long time before I really decided to then eventually make the move. And then I think much like very many other people, so I'm not unique in, the, in this space at all. When I had my daughter in 2020, I uh, was right when we were in the pandemic, of course, as well. I knew that once I went back to a corporate career, I probably would want to really make that shift fairly soon after that. And then, unfortunately, a few things happened, of course, in 2020 and 2021 that really made me push to really make that change. So we had the pandemic, as you know, and that yeah. really focused a lot of people's minds on what they wanted to do with their lives, I guess, because we all had this focus on what could happen. And then, unfortunately, in last year, early last year, January last year, I lost two very good friends in a fatal car accident. So um, along with that and really wanting to also make sure that I'm a good role model for my daughter because I wanted my daughter to feel or grow up thinking anything's possible and she really can do something that she enjoys, you know. So I wanted to be a good role model for her and I just thought staying in that corporate career with so many things showing me that life is short and life, <laughs> you know, you really should value life and wanting to be a really great role model for my daughter, I decided that it was really just the time for me to go and that I, I couldn't really put up with a career anymore that was making me very unhappy at that point. Would you mind just taking me back to that moment? Because you mentioned you lost two friends in a fatal car accident. What exactly happened and what was running through your head after you found out that they'd passed away? It's pretty horrific and I haven't really talked about it much, so it still feels very raw. But two very good school friends of mine and they were in the car together and they were a couple and we, we grew up together, the school that we went to in that area, there's, it's a very foggy area. I mean, visibility is pretty terrible there and I'm surprised that there's not more accidents even though there are a lot. This is in South Africa? Yeah, in South Africa and I drove into the back of a big um, uh, lorry, basically a truck. So, yeah, so it was a horrific shock, um, obviously, because we were so focused on COVID at the time, you know, and we were kind of expecting people to get COVID and possibly pass away from COVID. And they both had it not long before that and came out the other side of it. And we were so relieved. And then, yeah, this happened. So it was it was a big shock. 
you know, and then after that, I wasn't really recovered from that yet. And maybe it was stress as well. But I then had a big health scare as well, <laughs> just not long after that. And at the same time was returning to work from maternity leave. And frankly, the treatment from a corporate perspective, when you're going through a lot of stuff like that, like returning from maternity leave is a big, big thing. I think a lot of people underestimate what it's like coming back after a year and having your whole life turned upside down, even if it's something that you really wanted. And then these other things happening as well as the health scare that I had. Yeah, it was really quite shocking how little room there is for people to be people and for people to go through things within an organization the size of the one that I was in. So that all really put it into sharp focus for me that I just didn't want to be in a place where I was just effectively a number that would be treated the way that I was with all of this stuff going on, you know, on top of previously thinking it probably was time for me to go anyway. It sounds like there's a lot going on there, Norma. You've got the birth of your first child. We've got COVID. You've got a health scare. A couple of your very good friends killed in a car accident. At what point did you actually make the leap to leave? Do you remember that day when you made that decision? It was actually February last year, about two or three weeks after um, this car accident, which I then decided this is really time that I need to go. And I thought I would give myself a year at that point to kind of spend a year saving a bit of money and really thinking through what's next for me. And then at that point in time, I was pretty determined that I would stick it out for a year, year to 18 months probably. But then I got the health scare. So I was back at work from March for two months and then I had to take time off. So I was then off effectively for pretty much the rest of the year as I was thinking about what else to do. And that's when the idea came to start this business because I just needed something that could be more flexible and something where I had a bit more control over things. So then I decided pretty much by July time last year, I decided that it was really time to hand in my letters soon, which I then did by November last year. So it's all pretty recent still. What exactly was the health scare, if you don't mind talking in more detail about that? Because I know you've mentioned it a couple of times and it sounds like it had a big impact on how you were thinking about your own life and what you wanted. It was a condition called adenomyosis, which is a form of endometriosis. I think people are probably more familiar with that term, but it effectively is slightly different where the cells grow. And it caused me to hemorrhage. So I had extreme bleeding for over two, it was about three months in the end where I actually thought I had probably something like uterine cancer. Um, and, I, you know, I'd just come to terms to the fact that, well, I just had my baby not long um, before that. And we had tried for several years through uh, many successful rounds of IVF to conceive her. So it was a really big turning point for me because I just thought I've just had my baby and now I'm going to die. <laughs> I'm going to leave her without a mother. So it was a pretty big thing. Thankfully, all of the tests came back negative and it was, I say just, adenomyosis. It's a pretty terrible condition as well, but it's at least not what I thought might be uterine cancer um, at the time. And it seems to be okay now and manageable now. Thanks for sharing that. I'm glad you've made a full recovery. And if it's okay with you, I'd like to kind of shift gears now and talk a little bit about the actual shift to doing your work 
as a VA and as a business owner at Pink Spaghetti. I know you mentioned before that you knew you wanted to be self-employed. You wanted to run your own business. You want to be a business owner. How did that idea come up for you going from not knowing what you wanted to do to, hey, I'm going to look into VA work? So it was actually a friend of mine that suggested, because at the time I thought, if I can't think of my own thing to do, what I might do is just do something part-time because I thought the full-time hustle of being on the phone all the time just does not work. So I'd started pulling feelers out and followed a Facebook group actually to look for flexible work. And on this Facebook group, Pink Spaghetti was advertising for more franchisees. And I thought this really looked like a great opportunity to me because not only can you get to start your own business, but as a franchise, and I don't think all franchises are equal, but as a franchise, you also get sufficient help to get you to set the business up. So you're really not starting from scratch because I was pretty terrified about starting my own business and really after 16 years in a corporate environment, really have no clue about where to start. So I kind of weighed up that I could probably start my own thing of some description and I just needed to decide what that was and really kind of struggled to find my way around how to go about setting up a business and how to manage a business. But then when this franchise opportunity showed up, I just thought this is the kind of perfect side of both worlds because it allows me to set my own business up and give me that autonomy and be able to run with my own thing, plus get support from a fantastic organization who will show me the ropes effectively and be there from an an ongoing perspective as well to provide support as and when needed. And it's almost like buying a business in a box effectively because you're not, you're really not starting from scratch. It's all there. The branding is there. The business model is determined, but it does give you enough flexibility to do your own thing as well. So it just kind of popped up on a Facebook feed. And I just thought this just looks perfect to me actually, because it will give me kind of a bit of everything that I want. And this is fairly recent. So we're recording this in spring of 2022. And it sounds like this kind of came to its inception late 2021. How has the journey been for you so far? What's the good, bad and the ugly? So far, it's been really great. I mean, I say really great, but there's obviously when you start your own business, there's always some downsides as well. So far, it's been great. The franchise that I um, bought into Pink Spaghetti has just been absolutely wonderful. I mean, the training has been phenomenal. The support, the ongoing support is phenomenal as well. So it's absolutely the right decision for me. It's tough as well, because as you're starting out, you know, I think you've spoken about this on your previous podcast as well, is that you do lose a lot of your identity when you move away from an organization, especially if you've been in one place for a very long time. If you leave an organiza- a large organization, then people, of course, associate you with that and that becomes part of your identity and it's recognizable. So if you tell people where you're from and what you do, it is fairly recognizable and people understand kind of which box to put you in. And then when you move out of that and you're suddenly just on your own and it's just about you and the services you can offer, it is kind of a scary place. And especially if people then start saying, when you start developing new business and people keep telling you no, then it can feel really hard initially when you just hear no all the time. You're like, you know, what is it? Is it my business? Is it me? Is it, and it's all these self-questioning and all the imposter syndrome (laughs) that comes with that is really tough to deal with. So that's been a little bit hard, but I would say that I think I've come out of the other side of that and I 
um, have a great set of clients who I absolutely love working with and things have just become a bit easier. And if I do have a moment where I just feel like I don't know what I'm doing or I feel a little bit lost in some way, then I call up the franchise folks who have this great support team and they always help. So yeah, so it's been mostly, I would say, ups so far and I'm enjoying it pretty much all the time. <laughs> so that's great. You mentioned the franchise model a few times, Norma, and for somebody who's listening to this, if they're not familiar with the idea of franchising, how exactly does it work? My rudimentary understanding of franchising is that they, as you mentioned, give you the tools to get your business started. They're also helping you with things like marketing. They're giving you some maybe formulas that work really well to get the business going. Maybe you do a bit of maybe revenue sharing. How does it work with pink spaghetti? Like what's the model there? So I think it varies a little bit by franchise, um, of course. So I can't speak for all franchises, but effectively you will buy into the brand. So the branding is something that you get to use. And as you say, so you pay them an upfront fee. So effectively purchasing the rights to for pink spaghetti particularly you purchase the rights to a specific area that you're allowed to network in and then you will pay an ongoing fee as well based on the revenue that you take each month and in return for that they provide a whole set of marketing materials as well as training and ongoing support on an ongoing basis so yeah so it's actually pretty straightforward the great thing about this franchise is that we have flexibility to be creative within their own space. So they give you the framework effectively and there are of course some guidelines that you need to follow. But at the same time, you do get a fair bit of flexibility. If you bought something like a McDonald's franchise, then I imagine you won't get a lot of flexibility because obviously it's very, very clearly defined and well restricted about what you can and can't Can't make do. your own burgers there, right? Yeah. Right. Of course. Yeah, you but with our business, you are very much allowed to make your own burgers okay. you like for sure. Got it. So it sounds like the best of both worlds as I hear about it more like the franchise model it really does seem like you get a blend of autonomy you get some support you're not completely on your own but you also have some independence so related to the actual virtual assistant work i also got to ask you norma as someone myself and i think you and i have actually spoken about this before who struggles to delegate and carve off tasks especially when it relates to the business that i've worked really hard to build can you explain how someone can tell if they could benefit by hiring a virtual assistant? Yes. So I think if you can sit down and think about everything that you're doing at the moment that you either don't have time for, which is really the starting point, I think, for very many people, is just the things that are always on your to-do list and you just don't get to do them. That's probably the starting point. Then the second part of that equation is probably the stuff that you do, but you just hate doing it. Because <laughs> we, we all as business owners, including me, have a whole bunch of things that we just think I really could just do without doing this because it's taking you away from the things that you're really good at. So for example, if you have a business that is let's say a PR company, the stuff that you do that's really going to bring your income and be your talents is doing the actual PR work. And there's a whole bunch of business related work that is not going to be the stuff that brings you income or joy or really add value to your clients. So I would start with that as a list of things that you could probably hand to someone else. 
And then I think the second part of your question that you mentioned there, Joseph, is about letting go <laughs> a bit of the control piece, right? So I think from a control perspective, it is probably starting, I would say two things probably, is find the right person for you because all VAs are not equal because different VAs have different skill sets and different talents. So some's really specialized, some are more generalist. But the second bit to that piece is that you have to make sure you find someone that really works very well with you. I think communication is the most key part of this. If you get somebody that you get on well with, you can have an open conversation with if stuff doesn't work or works really well, then that's really a good starting point because ultimately you want to be able to have such a good relationship that you are able to give them something and if it doesn't go right then you can have a conversation about why you want it a different way and i think start small is probably the last bit of advice that i would say there is like pick something that you feel if this goes a little bit wrong it's probably not the end of the world and get a feel for each other and see how it goes and then build up from there and that's typically how i think unless somebody's experienced in outsourcing work then I would say just start small so that you start getting more comfortable and also start working out the relationship and making sure that you are clear about how to communicate with each other on how to get things done and so on so yeah that'd be my advice I'm just going through my list of things as your invoicing <laughs> came to mind for me so okay very interesting you're not okay. alone it's on very many people's lists okay before we talk about some of the lessons you've learned along the way I understand your spouse still works not only in the industry, but also at the firm where you used to work. What's it been like to, I guess, leave the corporate world behind, have a spouse who's still in the corporate world and be trying to build your own business? Does that ever enter into your psyche at all? It very much does. So he's worked there a little bit longer than I have actually now. And he is, as you say, still there. And luckily, he is incredibly supportive to me in my journey and the changes that I wanted to make. So, you know, that's really very helpful and very interested in what I do. So if I do need you know, a second pair of eyes on anything, he's always very willing to help me. So, um, so I guess I'm really lucky from that perspective. What is interesting for me, though, about the fact that he still is there is that I often hear some of the things that are going on because, you know, we have conversations about, you know, people sure, moving yeah. or changes <laughs> and all of those kind yeah. of things. Obviously nothing under NDA, but if there's anything, you know, in terms of the organizational changes or movement of people and all of those kind of things. And it really just makes me, I would say that he's happy there. He's very happy there. So I think there's a the major difference between where he where he is and where I was. But when he talks about it, it really just makes me feel incredibly grateful that I was able to make this change because it really has just put into sharp focus for me that that is not where I want to be. But it's two-sided because sometimes there will also be some of the really good things that come with corporate life that I will then think about, you know, that I miss and that I have to start you know, from scratch by myself to make sure that I get to a place where he was, because particularly when it's time for bonuses and I'm like, oh, I, uh, you know, that yeah, you don't get nice those bonus that I would have had. <laughs> <laughs> now I don't have that. So I just need to work a little bit harder if I want to get more money. So it's an interesting place to be, but it, you know, for the most part, I'm just infinitely grateful that I've been able to make the change. Well, the last thing I want to 
talk about before we wrap up here, Norma, is just your journey and what you've learned along the way of your career change journey. First, I was wondering, have there been any major surprises for you along the way as you've shifted from the corporate world to self-employment, as you've shifted from financial services to VA work, just anything that has surprised you? I think a few things have surprised me. I guess the first one is, and this is probably a little bit more of a negative one, and I am still kind of grappling with how to navigate my way through this, is that people make assumptions about you. So unless they know your history, then people seem to know how am I going to put this in a nice way maybe look down on you a little bit so when you're saying that you're a, you know a VA then people will sometimes think oh you're just an admin person like probably don't have a lot of life experience or work experience so I think that's kind of interesting for me because I obviously have had a pretty successful career I could probably step into a pretty well-paying corporate career again if I wanted to but it is strange that people make that assumption without really getting to know you but What's good about that is it's really challenged me to think about the assumptions I make about other people because it's the contrast that I can see is so you know, obvious to me at the moment. So kind of interesting, but also I think good learning for me because it really has challenged me to think about the assumptions I make about other people potentially. And then the other thing is just how how amazingly creative people are has really surprised me and how kind people are. So I have just been astounded by the amount of amazing businesses out there because in a corporate world, I think your perspective is actually pretty narrow in terms of what you see when you've been in one place for such a long time. But the amazing small and medium businesses out there and the creative ideas and just how incredibly creative people are and making this stuff work to me is just astounding. Also, just out of all of those people, people have just been so welcoming and so friendly and so helpful that I've just been quite stunned by all the just kindness, I guess, of people really wishing you to succeed and wanting to help you with like not wanting to have anything back or not expecting anything back as they kind of point you in the right direction or try to help you. So it's been really pleasant, actually. I think it's just been an amazing learning for me to see how much great stuff is out there and how amazingly kind people are. Now, if you had to give advice to your younger or your previous self as it relates to changing careers, what might that be? Probably to relax a little bit more about everything. I think because I was so focused on trying to build a career that I think I probably did a lot of things that in hindsight I just wouldn't have done. This hustle, this really trying so hard to get somewhere and actually probably doing it at the expense of my health and expense of relationships or friendships and the expense of other people potentially. I think a lot of that, people in that environment get so caught up in that. And I just feel like it's such an unhealthy thing to do. And I would probably tell myself just to not get so caught up in it and just relax and enjoy the good bits, but not worry so much about all of that other stuff. (laughs) Is there something that you wished you had known that you now know about running your own business, for example? Because it sounds like that's something you'd wanted to do for so long. Now you're doing it. Any interesting insights about What's something you wish you had known that you now know? 
I mean, that you could do it, that I could do it. I would just tell myself that you can absolutely do it. I think just make sure that you find the right people to help you and support you. Because for me, I just think just taking the dive and asking for help where you need it is probably something that I don't do enough of still. But it's definitely the thing that I would say to myself is just do it. Ask for help if you need it. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with asking for help. I also know that when you sometimes put yourself in a very different environment, I know I experienced this myself and I talk to people who've gone from the corporate world into self-employment who have experienced this. Having been through this career change, what's something that you have learned about yourself along the way? I am keeping in mind the fact that you're still quite early on in your journey here. That I love to learn new things. I've just absolutely thrived so much from learning so many new things over the last it's a few months really about six months or so now that i've really started this so just the sheer amount of learning that i can do is just so exciting and it is just keeps it interesting so i think that's probably the thing that i've learned about myself more than anything else well i want to wrap up by making sure that we give people a chance to find out more about you if they're interested in learning either more about Pink Spaghetti or the virtual assistance services that you offer, where can people go if they want to learn more? Probably the best place is pink-spaghetti.co.uk and you can find me on there if you search for Brighton or on social media. All right. Well, we'll make sure that we include a link to that in the show notes. Okay, Norma. Well, thank you so much for telling us more about your life as a VA and a business owner, some of the challenges that you've faced and overcome starting your own business, and most importantly, some of the lessons that you've learned along the way. So best of luck to you with continuing to grow your business at Pink Spaghetti and also parenthood. Lovely. Thank you so much, Joseph. So I hope you heard some useful insights from Norma about the contrast between self-employment and full-time employment, the impact your health can have on your choices, and the risks of hustling too much in your career. Now it's time to wrap up with today's Mental Fuel, where I'm going to talk about the importance of delegation and getting the help you need. Before we get to today's Mental Fuel, I wanted to thank Harmony Design for supporting this episode of Career Relaunch. The Harmony Standing Desk offers a smarter, healthier way to work with its simple design that fits into any workspace. It's the standing desk I use myself, and Career Relaunch listeners can get 15% off any Harmony order by visiting careerrelaunch.net slash harmony, spelled H-A-R-M-O-N-I, and using discount code RELAUNCH. This is the part of the show called Mental Fuel, where I finish the show with a brief personal story related to one of the topics we covered today and wrap up with a simple challenge to help you move forward with your own career goals. And for today's Mental Fuel, since we're talking about virtual assistants, I thought I'd pick up on this topic of delegating tasks, which is an important step to take when you're trying to begin a new chapter in your career or just give yourself more time to focus your energies on the part of your career or business you want to expand. So I wanted to share my own experiences with carving off tasks, how I decide when to hire someone, and also some of the platforms and tools I've used to find freelancers and talent to help me with my work. Now, as someone who runs my own business and could use all the help I can get, I've ironically kind of struggled with delegation during this chapter of my career. Back when I was working in a traditional full-time job in the corporate world, I actually felt like I was better at delegation because 
as a manager, once you've got direct reports, delegating projects and tasks is part of your job by definition. And if you don't do it, there's literally no way to keep up with the workload. And that's not going to bode well for you. I guess my central struggle with delegation has basically come down to one thing, and that's letting go of control. Part of the allure of running my own business is control and autonomy and also really taking ownership of my brand and my content and my business. And anyone who's worked with me probably knows I'm quite particular about certain things, not only the people I work with, but also the actual work itself, especially when it has anything to do with branding, marketing, or audio. But in order for my business to evolve and grow, I've had to delegate and hire people to help me, mostly freelancers. I've hired people to create a video animation, to file a trademark application, to compose music, to build my websites, to file my taxes, to Photoshop images, and yes, to help me produce this very podcast. Thank you, Liam and Jonathan. I've also delegated things out and then decided to do them on my own again. For example, when this podcast was first released, I hired a PR team to help me with the launch, but I didn't feel like I got a very good return on my investment. So since then, I've actually handled all my own PR and outreach by myself. I once outsourced copywriting, but eventually decided to do it on my own again. I once outsourced invoicing clients, but now handle that myself again. So the first question is, when should you delegate? Just to chime in on some of the criteria Norma shared earlier, for me, I tend to delegate when the following four conditions are met. First, when I'm not very good at it, either because I don't have the skills, talent, or interest, or I just burn way too much time trying to figure it out. Second, when I really don't enjoy doing it, either because it's too hard for me or just kind of energy depleting. Third, when I don't feel I'm uniquely positioned or qualified to do the work. And finally, when I feel the cost of hiring someone to do it is more than offset by the benefits of me doing something else with that time. And I'm not just talking about the differential between what I pay them versus what I could earn in the same amount of time. I'm talking about doing higher quality work for my clients, reaping health benefits, being able to spend time doing something more valuable to me, or having some extra time with my family. Now, let's say you're listening to this and you're thinking, okay, this all makes sense. But if you're running your own business or if you've got a limited budget, like I do, you may be hesitant to blow a ton of money on hiring for a wide range of reasons. At the same time, you may also realize that hiring the right people to help you with a task is an investment that ultimately could pay off. So the second question is, where can you go to find freelance talent or tools to streamline or delegate some of your processes? Well, I would be remiss if I didn't start by suggesting you check out Norma's profile on Pink Spaghetti if you're looking for a virtual assistant. We've got a link in the show notes for that. I'm going to just rattle off a few other places I've gone, and I'll capture a list of these in the show notes too. For most freelance hiring related to my business, I tend to turn to Upwork or Fiverr. Upwork for more complex projects and Fiverr for simpler executional tasks like photoshopping images as i'd mentioned before 
for creative projects to crowdsource ideas, I've used Squad Help for brand identity and name ideas. And I've used 99designs, CrowdSpring, and Design Crowd for brand design. I've also managed to save myself some time and headspace related to administrative tasks by using some helpful tools. Just to name a few, for task list management, I use Todoist. For scheduling, I use OnceHub. And for social media management, up until this month at least, I've used tools like Buffer and Later. But most recently, I have discovered an amazing tool called Vista Social, where I can manage all my social accounts in one place. Finally, I should also mention that in my own personal life, I sometimes have a hard time just hiring someone to do something that I feel I could do or maybe should do myself if I had enough time and patience, whether it relates to parenting or chores around the house or really anything that needs to get done. But just to give you a current example, for those of you who subscribe to my newsletter, you probably know that I took a bad fall last month when I was running and injured my shoulder pretty badly. So I used TaskRabbit for the first time this week to hire someone to assemble some furniture for my daughter's bedroom. And you know what? Although I typically do this myself, it was one of the best things I've done with some pocket cash lately. And I will probably be using them again, even when my arm's better. Anyway, those are just a few of the places I've gone to delegate some tasks. When I've managed to get over my own hangups around letting go of control, the payoffs are priceless. The overall quality of work is better. My productivity goes up. I have more time. I have more energy. I can do work I actually enjoy and is best aligned with my skills and talents. The financial investments almost always pay off in the long run. And it's also nice, especially as a solo business owner, to have a bit of a team around me, even if that team is virtual. I hope you also can open yourself up to delegating something off in your work or life so that you can ultimately have more time to do those things that you find most important and most rewarding. This takes me to a quote from the filmmaker Karen Kusama. It's extremely instructive to realize that you cannot do everything. You need to delegate, to find experts, to consult with them. A big part of the job of directing is knowing when to take something on and when you shouldn't. So my challenge to you is to think about one time-consuming task you've been doing that has been detracting from your ability to focus on one of your other professional or personal priorities, or something you feel someone else could just do more effectively and more efficiently. Delegate it so that you can take that time and instead focus on something you're uniquely positioned to do. If you enjoyed listening to this episode, you can help this podcast reach even more people by leaving a positive review and rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can find the links to do that at careerrelaunch.net slash 86, where you can also find highlights from my chat today with Norma, learn more about her virtual assistance business, check out those hiring platforms and tools I mentioned, or ask me anything you want related to your own career change ambitions. Again, that's careerrelaunch.net slash 86. Thanks so much for listening to Career Relaunch and a very special thanks to Norma Kimber for sharing her personal story with us today from Brighton, England. This episode was mixed by Liam McKenzie. Today's music was produced by Reeve and the Career Relaunch theme song was written and performed by Electrocardiogram. I'm Joseph Liu and I'll talk to you next time.